we have more innovation, technology, information, education, um, all those things are more easily accessible than ever before. We have tremendous ability to do many things at one time um, and have the capability of being ferociously efficient, yet burnout is more prevalent than ever. Thank you for tuning in to episode 61 of the Bryce Harper podcast. This is uh, part three of a teaching on Sabbath. And from the biblical narrative and from the words of Jesus, we, we understand that there is this rest that God wants us to in, enter into. Um, Jesus said it himself that the Sabbath was made for us and not man for the Sabbath. Um, you know, mental and emotional exhaustion and strain are higher than they have ever been. We are more aware of all that through just science and study and surveys and and just those in the mental health field and counseling. I've had a little bit of time in counseling as a juvenile counselor, as a prevention counselor uh, for about three or four years, primarily working with um, youth. Um, you know, there there is a, and then of course through COVID, there's a huge up increase and just need for people to navigate the things that they are struggling and battling with mentally and emotionally. So this exhaustion, this strain is there and it's higher than it's ever been. Um, we are imbalanced and unhealthy, yet we have all the information and the understanding so easily accessible to us, whether it be through the internet networking. When I think about all this, I think about when I was able to go to Israel and had this incredible experience and I get there, get to the Sea of Galilee. I We check into our hotel, get to our room. We had just been traveling, doing things all day in Tel Aviv, get to the Sea of Galilee Sun's beginning to set. We're we're staying at a hotel right there on the water. I get in a hammock. Just it's really probably the most serene, beautiful, peaceful place in the world. And I remember just laying in the hammock and I was able to get on some internet or some Wi-Fi and I FaceTime my family and my oldest daughter, um, we call her uh, Juby. Her middle name's Jubilee. We call her Juby. She was born our seventh year of marriage for Sarah and I, and, and I'm FaceTiming, I'm trying to talk to Sarah, and then Juby jumps on, and her first words to me are, are you with Jesus? And I don't know if it was the physical exhaustion, the spiritual high, the emotional high, all the above, but when she said that to me, it still gives me chills to this day when I think about it. I think about what I felt, and just that simple question, are you with Jesus? And it just absolutely steamed. I mean, it just, it grounded me, yet it elevated me as I'm just like laying in this hammock. I'm thinking to myself, yeah, <laughs> I've never been more with Jesus in my physical existence than I am right now. I'm at this place where he did miracle after miracle. And he did all this amazing ministry. 
and I'm sitting here thinking, like, I have the, this ability to communicate with my family, you know, so that's so far away. And I'm so thankful for them and how God's been good to me. And, 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 and yeah, I'm just, and so that question, are you with, G-? and to me, that is what Sabbath and re- rest and Shabbat Shalom, that's a great place to start, man. Are we with God? Are we with Jesus? And when, when we really pull away and make sure we are establishing a Sabbath in our daily life, in our weekly life, in our personal life, in our corporate life, in our family life, right, in our professional life, that, man, I am doing this with Jesus. And, and Sabbath is so, so incredibly powerful to stop everything, humble ourselves and say, man, it is, God is enough for me. Uh, Jesus is enough for me. And so my question to you, just kind of in this final kind of series, like, are you with Jesus? What does it look like for you to be with Jesus? And, and it's such an invasive question on a personal spiritual level that I think you and I could really take some inventory of our life and, and think, man, I, I have not been with Jesus. I have not been thinking about Jesus. I have not been reading the words of Jesus and the life of Jesus and studying the life of Jesus and and, and just the Christocentric message we see from Genesis to Revelation about the Messiah and the implications of all of that and how that affects me right now and what I'm doing and and how I'm submitted to that. I'm committed to that. I'll never forget when, when we were in Israel and I got to the Western Wall, it's Shabbat, it's during Shabbat, so it's Friday, the sun's begin to set, busy, it's just busy all around Jerusalem, the sun begins to set, everything begins to die down, that busyness, all the buses and the cars, every, all of a sudden there's no more cars, businesses are closing their doors and locking up, and, and there's just like this hush just comes over this incredible holy city that is just packed with all kind of tourism, all kind of things to do and to buy and to eat and to see and take pictures. All of that just slows all the way down. And as we are just walking this beautiful limestone sidewalk everywhere, we're walking up to the Western Wall and begin to see the twinkle of stars in the sky and the lights light up around the Western wall. And, and as you kind of crest the hill, kind of go through security and then you begin to make a little bit of a decline into the Western wall area. There's just this roar. And as you hear that roar from a distance and the closer you get to it, you're just kind of in awe of like what you're about to see. And then once you crest that hill and you see what's going on there on Friday at the Western Wall, just people of all ages and colors and people socializing, people praying, people dancing, people orthodox and unorthodox. There's just a whole gamut of things and people and backgrounds and cultures and and it's just so beautiful. Nobody's impeding anybody else. Nobody's hindering anybody else. 
and I remember going to the Western Wall and the next day and, and praying at the Western Wall and I don't know how how else to explain it. it. It's just, it feels like when you're at that place, right there at the wall, it just feels like heaven is just on the other side. For whatever reason. And, and when you pray, like for me, I don't know what it's like for anybody else, but when I would pray, there was just this level of faith and expectation and this sense that my prayers were immediately hitting heaven. That I was, the things that I was crying out and saying from my lips was, was being acted upon immediately. And I think it's not just because of the location or just the Western Wall, though I, though I believe in how special and holy the land of Israel is, and specifically that area. But for me, it was this personal sense that I was praying in a way that I knew things were happening. And when you, when you feel like heaven is just within reach, for me, when, when it felt like heaven was just on the other side of that wall, you, you begin to pray prayers that only matter. Like I was not praying. I'll tell you this. I was not praying, God, grow my ministry. God, give me more followers on social media. You know, I wasn't praying, um, you know, God, help me, help me have more money. You know, or God, give me more stuff or God, make me um, wiser. And those are all there's nothing wrong with any of those kind of prayers. Right. God, help me to be more productive. Help me see more results. And, you know, in raising my children or or um, my ministry or help help the church have greater profit margins and and uh, and be able to save and invest and, you know, missions more and things like that. There's nothing wrong with that. I didn't I did not like ask these kind of things. When I was like in that moment of just weightiness and loftiness of just uh, my prayer with tears rolling down my face with my 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 voice trembling that my children would know and love God all the days of their lives. That my family and extended family would know God and his great love for them. So here's a deal about Sabbath and Shabbat. I'm just going to give you just just a few things really, really quickly. And that is this. Number one, the, the reason why we need Sabbath and Shabbat and rest in our lives is because, number one, clarity. Okay? It clarifies what matters most in life. When you slow down and you rest and you focus on God, it shows you what really... That's what happened to me in that moment. It showed me what really mattered. Not how big my church is, how big my ministry is, or how big my bank account is, or how in, how much influence I have, or whatever. It showed me what really mattered the most. And so when you establish Sabbath, you begin to establish what matters most. 
and it brings a focus and a clarity um, where maybe we get it distracted, you know. I, th- I really do believe if, if, the, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll just get you distracted. You know, if he can't make you just, you know, commit some kind of heinous crime, he'll just, he'll just distract you. Uh, the second thing is it just brings beauty to everyday life. When you slow down and when you rest, like for me, Sabbath helps me see my staff members, not just as like my little workers, but as my family. That as my brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, when, when I slow down and I have Sabbath and I have rest and I have Shabbat, I begin to see the shade of blue that, that my daughter's eyes are. You know, I, I put my phone down a lot more and really listen to my wife <laughs> talk. And I really engage more in those moments, and I realize this is what I this is what I really need. I don't need to scroll social media. I don't need to look at this or look at that or sports or nothing wrong with that. But it helps me just engage in ways that matter most in life. It helps me hear the belly laugh for what it truly is from from my children. Right, just unadulterated joy and jubilee. Um, that's what that's what Sabbath does for me. Um, and it's so important. And so with that, I really believe it does recalibrate our soul, our mind, heart, and our will. That what God is doing inside of us is greater than what's happening around us. And if we're not careful, society just living in kind of like a Babylonian type of culture makes us numb to that. And so Sabbath gets our tenderness of our heart back. Um, John Mark Comer wrote a whole book on the premise of ruthlessly eliminating hurry. And so, um, great book that really talks about that. Uh, but at the same time, I love that. I've, I've always loved that line. Um, I think it's really important, um, to be ruthless about eliminating hurry in our life. But also, I'll just kind of say this in addition to that, it's also just as important to rhythmically establish what's holy. So don't only just, you know, don't just ruthlessly eliminate hurry, but also rhythmically establish holy. Rhythmically establish what's holy. So that's what Sabbath and Shabbat is all about. You know, and it's just establishing this rhythm of, of just abiding in the holiness of God. And um, so, yeah, and, and the third thing is, is, is I'm kind of talking about it, and, and that is it brings sensitivity, right? So, so there's clarity on what matters most in life first. It's what Sabbath and Shabbat does. Second, there's a understanding and, and, a, and an abil- ability to see the beauty in just everyday life. And the third thing, it brings sensitivity for our spiritual life. So clarity in what matters most in life, beauty to our everyday life, sensitivity to our spiritual life, clarity on what matters most in life, beauty to our everyday life, sensitivity to our spiritual life. This is why we got to have Sabbath, Shabbat, and rest. It's just so incredibly important. And God knew that. God knew that when he created the very beginning. Okay? I kind of hear this stuff around 
you know, swirling around just in, you know, just current forums and things like that, right? Well, that's old data. You know, that's old data. You know, we got new data now. Um, the Bible is not old data, um, you know, or new data. It's just the data. I mean, it's just like, so when God created man and woman, when he created Sabbath and Shabbat, he wasn't working with old data. I'll say it like this. The Bible is not old data or new data. It's complete data. That's what the Bible is. And uh, that's what the Bible is for humanity. That's what the Bible is for me. And, um, and so when God established all of that, he wasn't working with old data and he's not trying to combat new data. He was working with complete data because we know that God is omniscient. He is all knowing, all knowing. And so he lives outside of Kronos or just the time that he, he lives in, in eternity. So he's seeing from beginning to end. He's seeing every single variable at play from beginning to end. And so he's so he's working with complete data, and so um, yeah, I hope this has been a blessing to you. Thank you for tuning in, um, and don't ever forget a good start envisions the end result.